I never understood why to say you demonstrate something, but people are demonstrative, because the word demonstrative sounds totally different than demonstrate to me. That's my own. But, you know, sometimes people talk with the hands and get the hands moving. And, um, you know, they used to say, you know, the, the old uh, whatever stereotype was, you know, Italians were that way always. You know, I, I've, I've had some good uh, friends uh, that their families were very much Italian, and some of them were. You know, it was, it, was, it was noisy when they got together, but it's not just amongst the Italians, I'll tell you that much. It's others, too. But, of course, maybe it's because the years go by and people get harder and harder of hearing, so they shout louder. <laughs> and then if, like, one person's trying to watch the TV in the room, they have to turn the TV up really loud because they want to hear what's... <clears throat> That's just my family. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Listen, um, this morning, I don't know if I'm going to get you out of here early or not... <clears throat> I've had something, <laughs> Steve's ducking, poor Steve, I'm embarrassing Steve, that was not nice of me, but oh well, um, <laughs> I've, I've had this one in my heart for a while, so maybe I'm preaching to me this morning, maybe I'm preaching for all of us, I don't know, but I'm going to throw it out there and you decide, but I, it's God's word, God's word I believe is applicable in every situation, so it's always got something good inside, so I got something that I want to share with us this morning, because I, I do feel that God has laid this message on my heart for us as a church, okay? Um, do you want to hear one little joke before I continue? I, I, I used to try to share a joke. Um, one Sunday morning, uh, the preacher was giving a, a sermon, and he heard two teenage girls in the back of the sanctuary uh, giggling and disturbing people. They were really becoming quite a distraction uh, in their talking and not paying attention. And the preacher interrupted his sermon and said, there are two of you here who have not heard a word that I've said. Which, what do you think would happen? That quieted the young ladies down, right? So when the service was over, the preacher went to the door to greet people on their way out, and three adults apologized for going to sleep during church, and they promised it would never happen again. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says this. I believe Emma has it up here on the projector. If not, I will read it from the Bible and from my notes, which I also copied in there. Um, if, you, if you don't believe me, go to your own Bible and check it out just to make sure I'm not giving you any hooey, okay? Remember, always check. Always check. Check up on the preacher. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. What, what version is that? NIV, yes. So that through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope, okay? Um, I guess if I would title this anything today, I would say this. Be the parent of your future, not the child of your past, okay? This is what's on my mind this morning. Now, Old School, Old Testament, the book of Haggai. Haggai is the best pronunciation I can come up with it. If you got something better, I'm willing to entertain uh, options. But the book of Haggai, the second chapter, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. Okay, and I think that's what's up there. Yes. Here we go. Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Now, this is what's going on. The Israelites have been in bondage, so to speak. They've been in exile, actually, in Babylon for approximately 70 years. They finally convince the Babylonians to let them return to Jerusalem to begin rebuilding 
the temple and to move back and rebuild homes. In the first chapter, Haggai, it really rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Haggai gave a message to the people and, and uh, well, anyhow, I'll get to that in a second. But chapter 2, verses 1 through 9, I'm going to read this. Read along with me up there if you want or in your Bible. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? In comparison with it, is this not in your eyes? Is nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord, and be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord, and work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you, do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is a little while, I will shake the heaven and earth and the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. You see, the people in the previous chapter in Haggai's first message that he gave to them had received a call from God to build his house. It's time to rebuild Solomon's temple, which was destroyed. Instead of concentrating so much on their own. You see, the people who moved back in in and around Jerusalem, were building their own homes first when they were called to go back to rebuild the temple first. And they sort of lost their way, and they sort of got distracted. You know, in much the same way, friends, you and I uh, are in sometimes the same boat. We've been focused, we've been called out by God. I mean, that's why you're here this morning, right? Spirit of God spoke to your heart somewhere, somewhere along the way, you felt that this was a place to be important enough to focus on rebuilding God's house inside your own heart, right? That's the way the Spirit of God speaks to us. So we're to build His temple inside of our hearts, His home in us. In what was one time ruined by the sinful nature that we were born with, God wants to rebuild His temple in our hearts. And in verse 3, the people have responded to God's call. And, just like the Holy Spirit does with us, God is looking into our hearts and God sees discouragement and how discouragement can set in. And friends, nothing can suck the life out of you faster than discouragement. Okay? Comparing the past to the present, in my own opinion, is about the fastest track to discouragement that you can get there. That's Brad's opinion, okay? 
But we can't get sucked into the trap of comparing the present to the past. You know, that's why Jesus said that the person who, who, uh, who puts their hand to the plowshare and looks backward is unfit for the kingdom of God, Jesus said. You know, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, grew up in the boondocks, down in Lovely, um, on a farm. Um, my grandpap lived right there next to our place, and Pap was a horseman. He was come out of a very great Mennonite influence, and so he loved working with horses. He had a team of horses till the day he died, just back in this past September. Um, but Pap liked using horses to go out in the spring and plow early. You could get out in the fields with a, with a horse and plow a lot faster than you could get out with a tractor, okay, a lot, a lot sooner in the year. But anybody here ever try plowing with either a plow behind, you're holding a plow hooked by a chain behind a tractor or plowing behind a team of horses? I remember as a kid trying it, and it was one of the most difficult things that I've ever tried, and I never got the mastery of it. He could. He drove the team of horses that held the reins. All I did was try to hold the plow, okay? And it was everywhere, and it was all over the place, and I was doing it all wrong, and I got frustrated and got worked up. He could hook the reins together, loop them over his shoulder. He could do the reins, the horses, and the plow all in one, and everything was laser straight. But a lot of times, you wind up as you're... When you're going somewhere, okay? If you're plotting a course from where you are to where you're going, right? All you need is two spots. Where I'm at now, where I'm going to, that helps me plot a course, right? Does it involve the past? If we were somewhere back there, do we need to use that as a reference point as to where we're going? All we need is here, where we are, and where we're headed to. I I got sucked into the trap of looking behind me to see what things looked like. And I got growled by my grandfather. He was not a yelling man. He was a quiet man. But I, we say growled. You know, he, he, he didn't raise his voice. But he said, listen, don't worry about what's back there. Worry about where you're at plowing. Get the plow on track right now. Don't worry about what happened back there. Because that will just get you worked up and get you frustrated. Okay? The past has a value. I like to study history. I like to read history. I love uh, revolutionary, American revolutionary history probably is my most favorite. I also like to read about European history. But it's about where we're at now and where we're going to. The past has value because we don't want to repeat the mistakes of the past, right? Okay, that's a good thing. But instead of discouragement, God's Word gives us this. Strength for today and an expectation for tomorrow. Okay? Strength for today, where I'm at now, and an expectation of what tomorrow is going to bring. So, God said, I am with you. The text today, chapter 2, verses 1-9, through nine, is the second prophecy that Haggai gave. In the first one, he warned the people to begin the work of rebuilding the temple. They had focused all the attention on themselves, building their own homes, concerning themselves with that, while the temple was left in ruins. And their priorities were a little mixed up. But Haggai encouraged them to get things right. So, because of Haggai's encouragement, you know, that's what prophecy is. I think sometimes people get a little too carried away 
slight commercial aside, want to be careful here, okay? Prophecy is. So many times people look at prophecy and think everything with prophecy is foretelling, okay? You know what I mean by foretell? Tell of events before they're going to happen. When prophecy is 90% forthtelling. And when I say forthtelling, I mean this. Prophecy is telling forth of the goodness of God and is encouragement to God's people. Okay? 90% of prophecy is encouraging God's people through God's Word about God's goodness. But people sometimes get a little confused and they think every bit of prophecy is foretelling something that's going to happen. Okay? There is that. There is that aspect. But I want to say, biblical prophecy, it all points to God's glory. Okay? So, because of Haggai's prophecy and encouragement and exhorting people, they began the work in September of that year. However, it only took a month and discouragement set in. People were coming in. In the first chapter, they were encouraged to celebrate the festivals. Okay? People were coming in to celebrate festivals and they were muttering words of discouragement. They said things like this, it just ain't like it used to be here. Things aren't as great as things used to be here. Things used to be great. The temple used to be glorious. The temple used to be filled with cedar logs. The temple was wrapped and gilded in gold and wrapped and gilded in silver. You ever hear somebody talking about the good old days? About how great they were? And how they're so much better than things are now? I like what Pastor has to say. The good old days necessarily weren't any better. It's just that we're stronger now because we endured what we did back then. We're stronger now today. Okay? But comparing the past to where we are now is one of the quickest ways to discourage people and suck the life out of them. God told Haggai to say to the people, does anybody remember this house, this temple, and its former splendor? And there were some people who remembered what it was like 70 years ago. You see, there were people who had come back with the remnant of Israel after exile who were old enough to remember the good old days. They were old enough to remember the glory days. And he said, all right, So if you remember it, then in comparison, how does it look to you now? How does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all compared to how it used to be. And he said, what do you think? In their minds, it was never going to be like it was before. It had nothing to do with the size of the temple that was being rebuilt. And in all actuality, when they set about rebuilding the temple after the Babylonian exile, do you know that they built it bigger? They were building it bigger than it used to be, but that's not how people remembered it. How do we remember the past a lot of times? Everything tasted better. Everything was shinier, wasn't it? There were more people involved in something. It was more this and more that, wasn't it? We always tend to glorify a few certain things in our past when we remember back. And we guild certain things that we have no business guilding, friends. And we get discouraged because we say, well, it's not like that now. 
Here it was. The temple was being built larger than it used to be. But they couldn't see that because they were looking with their past eyes. Did they have the resources that Solomon had? When Solomon originally built a temple, do you remember anything about what took place and what was going on? The king of Lebanon gave them cedar logs like crazy, right? To build. They had offerings of gold. Everything was so ornate and so fancy. This temple that was being built was humbler, friends. I will say that much. They didn't have all the silver and the gold that Solomon had when he built the temple. They couldn't afford to pay skilled craftsmen from other countries the way Solomon did with his big war chest. And they said it it can never be like it used to be. And people were discouraged and people were disheartened. Look at the economy. In the past month, have you thought about, perhaps, how the economy might have been different five, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and we might have liked that better, and it might have been better? People can get discouraged in so many ways by comparing today to yesterday, to the point where people get ready to give up. You can make that in spiritual analogies, you can make it church you can make it in anything that you want to okay and we can discourage ourselves but notice what god says through haggai and he says this verse four but now be strong zerubbabel says the lord And be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says God. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Look at the phrase, but now. Six letters, okay? But it's two really big words. But now. It insinuates that something has got to change. The people's understanding must change. The people's attitudes must change. And the people's focus must change. He says, but now be strong. Three times in verse 4, the phrase appears. And in looking into uh, some interlinear Bible study... The phrase be strong comes from a Hebrew word called hazak, which denotes a frame of mind which enables somebody to pursue something or initiate something with fervor and with diligence. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. When they were ready to leave the wilderness and go take the promised land, Joshua said this, Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Joshua is telling them not only to continue, but to do it with all of their might and all of their passion. And then God says, it's time to get to work, because I am with you. God is encouraging people and calls out two leaders, Zerubbabel, and he calls out Joshua by name. 
And he calls out the people to take action. It's time to step up. David said in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. Just like the Apostle Paul said to the Romans, Doe sings the song. If God is for us, who can be against us? And then God puts the icing on the cake when He says, My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. So, do not be afraid. Zechariah 4.6 says, It is not by force or by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. If God was with them, and the Holy Spirit was with them, then they could not fail. If God was with them, and the Holy Spirit was with them, then they had nothing to fear at all. God is still here, friends. God is still here, and God is still involved in our lives. little story I came across. A father was looking out the kitchen window at his seven-year-old son playing in the sandbox in the backyard. And he watched his boy as he moved several large rocks out of the sandbox. But there was one very big rock that was giving the little boy uh, quite a hard time. Okay? He watched the boy move it to the edge of the sandbox, but each time it looked like he would be ready to move it out, and just about it fell back in. And the last time, pinched his little fingers. Okay? The father walked out, the little boy was crying, and he said, what's the matter? And the little boy told him all about the heavy rock in the sandbox, the last one that he wanted out. And his dad said, why didn't you use all the strength that you had? And he said, I did, Dad. I gave it everything I had, and I couldn't get it out of the box. And he said, no, son, you didn't. You didn't ask me to help. And with that, the dad reached down, and together him and his boy moved the rock out of the sandbox together, okay? We have lots of strength. We have lots of resources available to us, okay? And just as God told the people in Haggai's time trying to rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the temple, I think God is saying to us today, be strong, okay? Take initiative, Take action. God wants to do something here. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says this A final word Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I think God would tell us never give up, never give in. Don't give out. God is still here, and you know what? He never changes. We change, things happen, okay? God is unchanging. And God would encourage us to serve Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is biblical prophecy, friends. It is the edification. It is the building up of the body of Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. That's what we're about here. Okay? Encouragement this morning. I think God would tell us, don't be afraid to get to work because I'm with you. Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer us. Jesus has promised to be with us till the end of the age, and He has not broken His promise. This church is not Brad's church. This church is not your church. This church is God's church. Okay, Together, yes, we come together 
and we make it up. But His Holy Spirit is still here with us in this place. The book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. My prayer is that the power of Pentecost be alive and well in this church, that God's Holy Spirit will fill us to overflowing with an outpouring that will change our lives and change the lives of everybody that we come into contact with. Okay? The power to make a difference. The power to overcome circumstances around us. And along with strength for the present, God also gives us, as I said earlier, an expectation for tomorrow. Okay? He said the future glory is going to be greater. Although God's word from Haggai already said a mouthful, God isn't done yet. He said, for this is what the Lord of heaven's army says, in just a little while I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. He told them not to worry about the precious, shiny, pretty things. They'll take care of themselves, God said. There's nothing wrong with a humble temple. Okay? There's nothing wrong with a humble temple that maybe doesn't have all the fragrant cedar. Maybe doesn't have all the gold and all the silver. There's nothing wrong with that. There's time for that later, God said. But there are more important things to be done. God said He will do the shaking for the nations to bring contributions to rebuild the temple. And He said that He would fill this temple with His glory. And He's referring to more than just glory of gold and silver. More than just rubies, diamonds, or the precious clothing that the priest wore, the ephod with all the jewels set in it. He's talking about the only glory that can come from Him, His glory. He was talking about His Son, Jesus Christ, and how He comes to the church, how Jesus came and stepped into history. Jesus had a lot to say. We said earlier about Matthew 16, 18. Or no, that wasn't it. It was, um, where was it? Where was it? I lost it here somewhere. No, I'm not crazy. Well, we'll get back to it later. We won't waste any time on that. It's like this, friends. Jesus is God's presence. Came to earth. Fixed our sin problem. Rose again. And in so doing, defeated death, defeated the grave to make eternal life available for us. And then God poured out His Holy Spirit in, the chapter, in, in, in Acts as we see. And He said the future glory of the temple will be greater than the past glory. So if it was that great back then, the beautiful, ornate Solomon's temple, and he said it was going to be better yet. The reason for this, because it will be graced by the presence of the Messiah, the Son of God. This is the one I was looking for. Matthew chapter 12, 6. I tell you, there is one here, Jesus said, who is even greater than the temple. How could it help but be greater than with the presence of Jesus in our lives? I came across this little poem. And it reads like this. I was regretting the past and fearing the future. And suddenly my Lord was speaking. My name is I Am. He paused. I waited. He continued. When you live in the past with its mistakes and regrets, it is hard. I am not there. My name is not I was. 
When you live in the future with its problems and fears, it is hard. I'm not there. My name is not, I will be. When you live in this moment, it is not hard. I am there. My name is, I am. You remember when God spoke to Moses through the burning bush? And Moses went round and round sparring with God and coughing up all the reasons why he wasn't able to do any contribution for what God wanted him to do to deliver his people. And finally he said, well, what am I supposed to tell them when I go there? And say, God speak to me. And they ask what your name is. What am I supposed to tell them? What did God say? He said, I am. He didn't say I was. He didn't say I am who I used to be or I ain't what I used to be. God said, I am. God doesn't dwell in the past. We, as people, we sometimes get stuck in the past. Sometimes we get bogged down dwelling on the past and all the good things that might have been there. Exodus chapter 16, verse 2, the Israelites were longing for the good old days back in Egypt. Remember when Moses was leading them out? And it wasn't too much longer. After they left Egypt, they were longing for the good old days. They said, back then our pots were full, they said. What did God do to change that? In Exodus 16.4, God was able to deal with their complaining, and He said, Behold, I will rain down bread from heaven. And so God gave them manna. That's how He was able to take care of them. By giving them meat in the evening and bread on the ground in the morning, God was able to take care of them. And you know what? In the following verses, we find out that what God gave them each day was only good enough for what? Just that day. Except for the day before the Sabbath, God gave them a double amount and it lasted to the Sabbath. Each day they needed a fresh outpouring and you and I need the same thing here today. What God might have done 25 years ago or last week is not going to feed us today and it's not going to feed us into the future. Friends, we need a fresh outpouring of God's Spirit in our lives every day in this place to shake us out of our routines and take us into tomorrow. You know, even in Deuteronomy chapter 26, when God was giving the law to Moses and the rules, when he talked about gathering the tithe together, the 10%, the tenth of, of, of what they had, he said the tithe was never to be given to the dead. Pointing to the idea that our energies are for today and for tomorrow God's provision he gives us now is for today to carry us into tomorrow even Philippians 3 13 and 14 says forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus Ecclesiastes 7 10 don't long for the good old days he says this is not wise Jesus is not the great I was he is the great I am And God has a great future in store for us here, friends. Right here, right now, God does have a very great future in store. And we need to press on towards that goal. We need to expect that God is going to fill this temple with His glory. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think. God has power over all things and can do more than what you and I can dream up and more than you and I can imagine. It's okay to have expectations for tomorrow 
We should have them. We should have expectations that God is going to do something powerful. We should have expectations that God is going to do something new and something mighty in this place. And we should have expectation that God wants to do something miraculous in this place. And we need to expect that future glory is greater than past glory. So stand with me if you would. And let me ask you this. Are you discouraged at all? And where things are at, God gives strength for the present. God gives us expectation for what tomorrow holds. Things looked bleak to them. Things looked smaller, darker. Things looked shabbier. But God came in and said, oh no, that's not the way it is. It's going to be better than it ever was. And I believe it by His Holy Spirit. I believe it that that's the way it's going to be here. That things are going to be better than they've ever been. It's got to be through the presence of God's Holy Spirit. That's the only way. That's the only way. Psalm chapter 121, verses 1 and 2 says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, Maker of heaven and earth. 